I'm boxing writer historian Lou Eisen, and this is Ring Talk. And today we're going to discuss the incredible fight that took place November 12th at the Orange Bowl in Miami, 1982, between the WBA, I believe it was, World uh, Junior Welterweight Champion Aaron Pryor, voted by many people the greatest junior welterweight champion of all time, certainly of the 20th century, I would agree. And one of my all-time favorite fighters, El Flaco Explosivo, the incredible Alexis Arguello, who was coming up in weight. He held titles at featherweight, uh, super feather, and lightweight. And this was supposed to be his fourth world title. Um, at the time that they fought, Arguello was a bit past his prime. And he'd started boxing in the late 60s. And... Um, Arguello had an amateur record. You know, he got into boxing because of his sister Marina. He wasn't really into it. He was born in Managua in Nicaragua, April 19th, 1952. And his sister Marina, he had uh, six siblings, seven siblings. His sister married a boxer, and that's how he got interested in it. He got him into amateur boxing, where he had a record of 58 and 2. And he moved to Toronto, Canada when he was 13. I don't know how many people could do that. And he moved here and worked as a laborer to raise money uh, as a daily laborer um, for his family in Nicaragua. Because what you got paid there, you know, to work a whole day would be just five cents. If that here you got paid in dollars and he couldn't believe it. And so he lived here for a short time. Um, his first world title challenge uh, was in the early 70s. And it was against the WBA World Bantamweight Champion Ernesto Ernesto Marcel, who was from Panama. And Arguello was still very young in the sport, but well-trained. And he got in the ring there and he did his best, but uh, he lost a unanimous decision. And he kept fighting and fighting and he moved from Bantamweight, 118 up to Featherweight, which was probably a better weight for him. He was uh, five foot 10. So, you know, this is a big guy with a 72 inch reach. And so, you know, this, this, he was a hard guy to beat in the ring, but he needed space to punch. He had to get his room to punch. So in uh, 74, he, November 23rd at the Forum in Inglewood, California, he challenged one off of not my all time favorite fighter, the Rockabye, Rockabye Ruben Oliveris from Mexico and El Puaz. And he was a tremendous knockout puncher. And, Oliveris uh, came into the fight and was outboxing him. He was known as a pure slugger. He was outboxing Arguello, of all people. And then in the 13th round, um, they uh, our, our Oliveris threw a, a, a left hook, and it caught Arguello on the chin. Arguello weathered it, threw his own counter left hook, and knocked Oliveris out. And then he became the undisputed world WBA World Featherweight uh, champ. His first defense was against a Venezuelan guy named Leonel Hernandez, who he annihilated in eight rounds. Um, uh, his first fight in his home home country of Nicaragua was, was Rigoberto Riasco, who he destroyed in two rounds. And then he fought the elite level Royal Kobayashi from Japan, who was a very good fighter and gave Arguello trouble for a round and a half, and then Arguello destroyed him in five rounds. Man, Arguello could just, man, could he fight. And uh, as I said, he was born April 19th, 1952, 
and he died on July 1st, 2009. And there's still a lot of um, controversy over this. It was said to be a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the heart. But uh, many boxing historians, writers, and friends of Alexis believe that he was murdered on the orders of uh, Nicaraguan dictator Daniel Ortega because he was going to leave the Sandinista party. He was mayor of Managua, and he didn't like the way that they were running the country. He'd fought with the Sandinistas in the beginning, fought against them. Sandinistas stole his home, his money, everything in Nicaragua. So he was forced to move to Florida. Aaron Pryor was born on October 20th, 1955 in Cincinnati. I just missed Arguello at the Hall of Fame. I just saw him walking away in a seersucker suit. And I was talking to George Travallo. He said, he was just here. Where is he? He's on his way home. He's been here for a couple of days. Can you catch him? No, he's gone. And I just saw, literally saw him. And then he was walking, got into a limo and left. And I just thought, I waited my whole life to meet him. I wanted to meet him so bad because he was one of my heroes. He was such a magnificent fighter. And he did everything well. Aaron Pryor, as I said, was born October 20th, 1955 in Cincinnati, Ohio. And he was the son of Isaiah Graves and Sa Sarah Shellery. He was born out of wedlock. So he never really knew who his real father was. And he never got credit for anything that he did when he was young. Anytime he did anything well, never got credit from his family, from school, from, from anyone. And he was given the surname prior by his mother, but it was unclear when he was given the surname and why he was given that surname. Uh, he needed an outlet. He was an angry young man, always getting into trouble. So he started boxing at the age of 13. And like Arguello, they both grew up in abject poverty. I mean, these were, as, as George Farmer would say, they weren't poor, they were po. They couldn't afford the extra O and R. They were po. And uh, unfortunately, uh, Pryor, who went through a tumultuous life, had a severe uh, cocaine addiction, but he beat it. He beat it with the help of Arguello, who came, literally picked him up out of the gutter and got him clean. Uh, he died October 9th, 2016, of complications from heart disease. And it was sad because he'd overcome such a crippling addiction to cocaine. I was working at the time, which I still like to do. Uh, on a documentary about his classic fight with uh, Nicky Ferlano, which he won in 15 rounds by unanimous decision here at Varsity Arena in Toronto. And the interesting thing about that fight, it was right after the second Arguello fight. So uh, Pryor was a two-time super lightweight world champion. He held the WBA title from 80 to 83 and the IBF title from 84 to 85. He also held the Ring Magazine title from, 18, from 1980 to 1983, and he is recognized as the linear champion from 83 to 86. Uh, he was inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame in 1996, and Arguello was inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame in 1992. And 1999, Pryor was voted by the Associated Press as the world's best light welterweight of the 20th century, which I alluded to before, and I don't think anyone can argue that. Uh, he was ranked by Ring Magazine in 2002 as the 35th greatest fighter of all time. Now, when you look at their comparative records, uh, Pryor's record was 39 and one with 35 knockouts. He didn't have more fights because he had trouble getting fights in the beginning of his career. People wouldn't fight him. No one wanted to fight him. In the, in the amateurs, he beat Thomas Hearns and he wanted to fight Ray Leonard. He went to a Ray Leonard press conference and said, I'll fight you for whatever. I'll take the short end. I've beaten everyone at 140. I'll come up and fight you wherever you get the money. Just let me do it. And it never came off. Um, 
so 39-1 was his record, um, whereas Aguayo's record, uh, you know, was 77 wins, eight losses, 62 wins by knockout. He was a ferocious puncher, and he knocked out the best fighters uh, on the planet. Um, he was a three-division world champion, Alexis Arguello. This was a fight that um, the fans favored Arguello because it was in Miami, and there were a lot of ex-Nicaraguans there. Ex, no, ex, um, not ex-Nicaraguans. They were still Nicaraguans, but they weren't living in Nicaragua anymore. Uh, they had emigrated to the United States to get away from the Sandinista government, the way many Cubans came to Florida to get away from uh, Fidel Castro. So uh, Arguello, you know, after he won the uh, featherweight title and, he and, and after he defended it four times, he moved up to, to the uh, junior lightweight division. And I remember watching his fights with the Puerto Rican Alfredo Escalera, and they were fought with Plato Ray's gloves. These were a lot of blood, a lot of gore. Both guys were bleeding like stuck pigs because the leather on a Cleto's Ray gloves is really pulled tight. So it's more of a puncher's glove. It has an impact. And because it's pulled tight, it's easier to cut a fighter with those gloves. And the first battle was known as the Bloody Battle of Bayamon. It was held in Puerto Rico. And... Arguello, it's interesting, knocked him out in 13 rounds. And then the rematch a while later also stopped him in 13 rounds. And I remember, I believe it was Gil Clancy who was in the corner of uh, the great Alfredo Escalera. And uh, Arguello then defended his title. Look at this list. I mean, this is a list of future champions, except for one guy. He, he defended his title against Bobby Chacon, the schoolboy, Bazooka, Rafael Bazooka Lamont. Rolando Navarrete, Cornelius Bolusa Edwards, and Jose Luis Ramirez, all future world champions. And he also beat the ultra tough Ruben Castillo. I mean, these, he didn't take easy fights. He fought the best out there. You're number one, I'll fight you. And he would just demolish these guys. He was brilliant in the ring. He, he, he exhibited probably as much as Joe Lewis, the one quality that's almost impossible for most fighters to master. And that's patience. He had a lot of patience. He had that long reach. He needed the room to punch. He would hit you with the jab. You know, he'd come under and over, hit your right hand to the body, right hand to the head, left uppercut. And boy, if you threw that punch out and you missed, he was going to counter you with the right hand. And that left hook of his to the body crippled a lot of fighters. So he defends the junior weight, junior welterweight. Um, uh, that's sorry. Uh, Pryor was the junior welterweight champion. He defends the lightweight title, junior lightweight title, four times, and then he moves up in weight. And, you know, he moves up to lightweight. And actually, I have to correct myself. I'm a bit all over the place here. Uh, he defended the, the uh, title, junior lightweight, uh, eight times. Then he fights Jim Watt, another fight that was great. Went to distance in England, and he beats Watt. Uh, to win the WBC World Lightweight title. And he became only then the sixth boxer to win world boxing titles in three different weight divisions. And only the second Latino to do it, besides the great Wilfredo Benitez, who accomplished it a month later when he knocked out Brit Maurice Hope. Uh, after that, uh, he was challenged by the up-and-coming and media darling Ray Mancini. And it was an interesting fight. Mancini had his moments, but Arguello was too experienced, too big, too good. And he finally knocked out Mancini in the 14th round. But after 
if you remember the fight, he grabs him by the head. Anything I can do to help you, the, the relationship you have with your father touches my heart. I want you to know, Ray, I love you, and I will do anything I can to help you. And he did. He would go to his training camp and help train Ray. So uh, Arguello was as honest as they came. He it was really heartfelt. He he really enjoyed people. He liked people. He was He was prone to suffer from bouts, periodic bouts of extremely deep depression. And sometimes he would do drugs, you know, to try to counter that, but he was able to beat that eventually. Also, you can imagine how difficult it is. He's fighting in his, you know, in the United States and around the world, and the Sandinistas are going, are turning his country upside down, killing his friends, taking his house, taking his money, all his belongings, and now he's got no money. He's got nothing. So he has to relocate to Florida, and he's got to start all over again. And the best way to do that, he thought, was uh, he defended his lightweight title four times in a row, successfully, obviously, and then he thought, I'm going to fight Aaron Pryor. And Arguello was the favorite coming into the fight. He was a veteran. He was the bigger man. He was the harder puncher. Pryor was a great fighter. Pryor was mistakenly looked on, looked upon as just a slugger, but he was so much more than a slugger. He was a smart guy. Now we get to a very interesting part here. Uh, their trainers. For this fight, Arguello would learn from certain trainers and move on. So he had the great Eddie Futch, one of the top several trainers that ever lived. Um, Pryor had a man that I considered to be vile, evil, criminal person, uh, Panama Lewis. Panama Lewis is the one who a couple of fights later took the padding out of Luis Resto's gloves when he fought as a huge underdog against Billy Collins and ended up beating Collins and then blinding him. And Collins later died in a car accident, which some people, or motorcycle accident, which some people thought was a suicide. He didn't hesitate to cheat to help his fighters, Panama Lewis. So uh, Lewis, during the fight with uh, Arguello, uh, I think after, it was after the eighth round and after the 13th round, and when he would say, give me the water bottle, and some, another guy would hand it to him for prior, he'd say, not that one the one I mixed before the fight. So he said in the bottle was antihistamine and peppermint schnapps to help Pryor with uh, asthma. Pryor didn't have asthma. He said he, then he said he used it to help expand his lung capacity. You're not allowed to. You're only allowed to use water. So then he said he had mint leaves in water. Uh, a lot of people thought it was uh, honey, orange juice, and cocaine. Now I spoke to Aaron Pryor at the Hall of Fame uh, when he was with his son. And I said, was there cocaine? And he nodded to me that there was. He never said yes, but it looked to me as if he was saying, yeah, there was in the bottle, but who knows? We know there was a stimulant there, but the but the incompetent and ignorant Miami Boxing Commission with all these newbies on the commission didn't run a urine test after the fight. No urinalysis, no blood test, no nothing. So, and they never got to the bottle. And Pryor hung out for an hour and a half. Neither man had a urine test. And the commission failed in that. There were supposed to be 13 commissioners working the fight. There were six, seven just didn't show up. You know, and the one that was supposed to be in front of Aaron Pryor's room, they said, get lost. And he got lost. You know, he didn't stand up and say, sorry, I'm with the commission. You can't dismiss me. So this is what made the fight controversial. It was billed. Uh, as the Battle of Champions. And um, 
it was a great fight, and I just watched the fight earlier today, but I've watched it many times. And when you watch the fight, uh, you know, Pryor is dominating the fight. He comes right out at the beginning. Pryor would usually run at you at the beginning, and he didn't do that. He came out and he boxed. He boxed Arguello smartly, but he knew he had to keep close to Arguello because if Arguello could get distance on him, he could use those long arms and take him apart. Arguello always had trouble with guys that could stick and move and box. And Pryor, who was smaller, was sticking and moving. He was moving around. He was circling Arguello. He was turning him. And he was throwing tremendous volume of punches. And he was landing a lot. And Arguello was taking them. And there were times in the first four, five, six rounds where he hit Arguello. And Arguello was hurt but managed to hang on and weather the storm. Arguello slowly made his way back into the fight in the middle rounds by using that vicious left hook to the liver of his. And he kept pounding uh, prior to the liver and to the body. And it got warned a couple of times by the referee. This was another controversy. South Africa's Stanley Christodoulou, who was a great ref. But before the fight, Pryor's team objected to him because he was South African and because of apartheid in South Africa, which Christodoulou opposed. And so when they asked Aaron Pryor what he thought of Stanley Christodoulou, on camera, he said, I have no clue who that even is. So Pryor said, I I'm not going to object to the referee. That's stupid. And he told his team to calm down. Uh, Chris Dula did a great, he's a Hall of Fame ref. He did a great job uh, of roughing the fight. Uh, Arguello's climbing back into the fight, but Pryor's taking these phenomenal shots. You, people with, you know, it's only a five pound uh, difference between 135 lightweight and 140 junior welter. Or super lightweight, and he's hitting prior of shots that dropped a lot of other fighters and dropped other junior welterweights after this fight. So it's hard to believe prior could take this. But prior was a tough guy, he'd only been dropped by Cervantes before when he won the title in four rounds against him. And Arguello was hitting with tremendous left uppercuts, right uppercuts, straight right hands. And you could see in the eighth round, tenth round, he lands, you know, straight right hand, it almost takes. Pryor's head off, and Pryor just smiles and keeps fighting back. And Arguello, uh, you know, goes back to his corner after. And he, after each round, Arguello looked really de dejected and depressed going back to his corner. And he's saying to Eddie Fletcher, man, can this guy hit? You know, I mean, he can hit, but he can also really take a punch. I mean, I can't believe the shots I'm landing on him, and he's I'm not moving him. And Fletch just kept saying to him every round, you got to let your hands go, Alexis. You got to be busier. You got to stop. You know, you got to get that distance and keep letting your hands go. Arguello would allow Pryor to get in on him and crowd him. And Arguello could fight on the inside, but he was much better on the outside where he could utilize his reach and get more leverage on his shot. So you're looking at Pryor and and uh, he is just the amount, the amount of shots Pryor took and threw in this fight. I've never seen him do it in any fight before or any fight after. Pryor was known to get you against the ropes, and he would let his hands go, and he would let his hands go for as long as it took, and guys either slumped to the canvas or the referee stopped it. But usually they slumped to the canvas. This time, Arguello's fighting back furiously, and I was watching the fight on closed circuit at Varsity Arena here in Toronto with a good friend of mine. And in the 13th round, uh, Arguello sees an opening and throws a straight right hand. I mean, I thought he decapitated Pryor. He hit him and pri hit Pryor, and Pryor's head turns around, you know, and goes up. And 
Pryor just looked at him, smiled, and kept punching. And my friend said to me, you know, that something's wrong here because you can't hit a man that hard and still have him on both feet. I mean, Pryor took that shot like he was tapped with a feather. And after the 13th round, he goes to the corner, and it's the first time, as Barry Tompkins, the play-by-play, blow-by-blow announcer said, that Pryor was visibly tired. And that's when Panama Lewis said, give me the bottle that I mixed. And then Pryor comes out all refreshed for the next round. And they're fighting, and, you know, Arguello's laying it on, and then Pryor catches him on the inside, two, three, four, five hooks. He hurts Arguello. Arguello's stunned, and he he he's moved back. He moves back to the far ropes, and, you know, like Tyson did against Hollyfield. And then Pryor just unloads on him. And finally, you know, Arguello's like this. His hands go down, and he gets hit a couple more times. Stanley Christodoulou stops the fight. And uh, Arguello sinks to the canvas where they stretch his legs out. And when the camera's on him, he's unconscious for a good while. So there are quite a few doctors there. He was concussed. He was taken out of the ring. When he came to, he was crying. He apologized to his son, which his son said was just, you don't have to apologize to me. You're a champion, Dad. I mean, you did your best. But it was a tremendous fight. But Panama Lewis... Pryor's trainer, I have no doubt in my mind that there was a stimulant after talking to Aaron Pryor at the International Boxing Hall of Fame and knowing what I know about Panama Lewis and hearing it from other trainers, that there was a stimulant of some sort in one of the water bottles given to Aaron Pryor that either helped his lungs be able to take in more, more air, gave him greater lung capacity, or enhanced his ability to take a punch and fight back. I don't know if cocaine could do that, and and but it certainly people on it were certainly hyped up. But he walked back to the corner after the 13th round, taking tremendous shots, exhausted, and then he came back for the 14th round like it was the first round of the fight. And to me, something seemed off because he was so hyper after that fight, whereas you would think he'd be tired and exhausted. I understand you have the adrenaline after a victory over an all-time great, but he just didn't seem to tire throughout the fight. And Panama Lewis was known, well-known within the boxing community to cheat in every way, shape, and form to give his boxers an edge. So it sort of taints Pryor's victory. Now, Sugar Ray Leonard, who I have all the respect in the world for it, said, it doesn't really matter what was in the bottle because he didn't need it. Prior been denied, and it was true, uh, glory for so long and was never given his due and had to fight his pro debut for $400 while Ray Leonard had to fight his pro debut for five, you know, for 50 grand, he fought, uh, that there was no way he was going to let Arguello beat him. And the thing was, because it was in Miami, his corner said to Prior, if it goes a distance, it doesn't matter if you knock him down 10 times. This is Miami, heavy Nicaraguan uh, uh, population here, you will lose on points. And some of the judges had Arguello had on points. It was possible that he could still lose his title on points, and Pryor didn't want to let it go to that. Part of Pryor's bitterness came from the fact that he he fought in the Olympic trials. He lost. He thought he didn't lose to Howard Davis twice. 
and Howard Davis goes to the Olympic Games and wins a gold medal, and Aaron Pryor thought, that's my gold medal. I should have won that. And that gives that would have given me the, the, the credit and the street cred to turn pro, the pro cred, and make more money. Instead, he fought for nothing in Cincinnati. He fought for, for next to nothing for a lot of his early fights. And it really put a chip on his shoulders. So when he got a chance to fight Cervantes for the world title, he wasn't going to let that go. And then when he got a chance at Arguello, this to him was his legacy. This was win or die. He was willing to die uh, in that ring. Now with the water bottle controversy, people will say, you know, and a year later they wanted to look into it. It, it blew up into a big thing and then it stopped and went away. Why? Because right after that fight, Ray Mancini fought Daku Kim in Vegas and Daku Kim died. And now more people were concerned with banning boxing than they were with what actually happened in the prior Arguello fight, which was a vicious fight to begin with. And so Arguello didn't want to go out that way. He didn't want to go out. He didn't want people to remember him as the guy lying on his back. So they had a rematch. And unfortunately, in, in, um, in the rematch, uh, he fought prior again. And he had blamed his previous loss in Eddie Futch, which wasn't really fair, but he said Futch, Arguello was an emotional, sensitive guy. You know, if you were talking to him, he could talk about a fighter he liked and start crying because he loved the guy so much. So Arguello was very sensitive. He needed someone to assuage his ego and give him, uh, I guess, affection during a fight and a pep talk rather than saying, you know what, just do this, just do that, just do this. And most trainers would assume that the boxer is a self-starter. If you're this far, you know, you don't really need me to do that. But Arguello did need people to do that. There wasn't really anything a new trainer was going to teach him. But he goes into this fight, the rematch of Aaron Pryor, and Pryor is even better than he was the first time. Arguello is that much slower. He's going through a bad time in his marriage, which he eventually got divorced. And he's giving it his all, but he just doesn't have it this night. And Pryor's teeing off on him. And unfortunately, uh, Pryor stops him in 10 rounds, after which Arguello announces his retirement. People are happy that he announced his retirement because they don't want to see him get hurt. You know, he's such a beloved figure, world figure in the sport of boxing. But because the Sandinistas stole everything from him, he's now broke. So he has to go back and fight. And he goes back. He makes a comeback several years later. He fights the former junior welterweight champion, uh, Billy Costello, which was an interesting fight in CBS. The fight was delayed because Costello's uh, trainer, Victor Valley, who also trained um, Jerry Cooney tried to get under Arguello's skin. And that was hard to do. I mean, Pryor tried to do it uh, in a lot of ways, and other fighters had, but Arguello was such a pro, it didn't bother him. But they said he deliberately used illegal hand wraps, and Arguello was visibly angry. He said, I've been in the sport for 25 years. I would never injure another man intentionally. That's not the idea of the sport. So he had to take his gloves off, unwrap it, and then have it wrapped again. And that angered him. And so he fights Billy Costello in upstate New York. And Costello is beating him. He's younger, he's quicker. And then Arguello faints him, you know, hits him with the left, faints a right to the body. Costello's hand goes down and then bang, right to that chin. And Costello's out. And referee stops the fight. And then when they come in and pick him up, he's screaming at Victor Valley, Arguello is. 
you know, power the raps now, power the raps now. And on camera after he said, I would never do that. I'm known as an honest fighter. No one's ever accused me of cheating in any way, shape or form. How dare he do that? And he was furious. He fought on some more and uh, he lost, uh, I think one of his last fights and then he decided to retire. Uh, he he um, is recognized today as one of the top several greatest fighters ever to have lived. The dream fight would have been him versus Duran, although I think Duran was just too big and strong for Arguello. Yeah, he went into the Hall of Fame, International Hall of Fame in 1992. And in 2008, he was selected as Nicaragua's flag bearer, which was a beautiful sight to see at the Beijing Olympics. He also became really good friends with Alfredo Escalera and Aaron Pryor. He was very close with them. And when Pryor was having problems with drugs, Arguello literally found them in an alley, like a, a, or in, in a gutter, and grabbed them and said, I'm not going to let you go out like this, and saved him. Uh, when he when he left, he was still doing commentary, but he also he joined um, Nicaraguan politics via the Sandinista National Liberation Front, and this was the same party that he had opposed earlier and fought against. Um, he was elected the vice mayor of Managua, but people said the Sandinistas for some reason wanted to discredit him and said there was vote rigging, so he ran again in, in 2008, and he won, but he won by a slight like 1% of the vote against uh, another candidate for the Liberal Party who had just lost to the dictator Daniel Ortega in the presidential election. Uh, the sad thing about Arguello was we don't know, we do and we don't. He died on July 1st, 2009. And if you remember that, I had just come home from the International Boxing Hall of Fame and I'd seen Vernon Forrest there. That was a terrible um, uh, July where, where Arguello died, Vernon Forrest died, was murdered, and then Arturo Gatti was murdered in Brazil. So you had three fighters that were murdered. Now, the Nicaraguan, the Managua police said that he shot himself through the heart. Not very many people believe it. The autopsy said, um, national police said that the death afterwards from gunshot was confirmed by the autopsy and that they ruled it a suicide. But he was on the verge of leaving the Sandinista party and he wanted to go and tell people, you know, that these guys were crooks. This was a dictator, Daniel Ortega. And this would have been embarrassing to have their most famous citizen do this. And it's thought by a lot of people today that he was shut up. That the angle and trajectory of the shot was simply not um, in line with the self-inflicted gunshot wound. We don't know. There weren't allowed any other outside autopsies. It's just that one gruesome picture of him uh, lying on the lying in the morgue. Uh, we do know that he did have tremendous periods of depression, but it's we simply don't know. It, he was gone too soon. He was a lovable man. He he was just such a wonderful person. And Aaron Pryor, uh, I get to, he he didn't die too long ago. And that was sad, too, because he died on, on October 9th, 216, complications from heart disease. Pryor was only 60, and he had overcome this cocaine habit, and, you know, he was blind in one eye. I used to see him at the Hall of Fame all the time, all the time with his young son, Aaron Pryor Jr. He loved his children and his grandchildren, and it broke my heart when he died. He would always say to me, because I said I was from Toronto, how's Nikki doing? because he fought Nikki Ferlano. And it doesn't occur to a lot of people. Like when I spoke to Nikki, 
He said, I, I loved Aaron. We were friends. I didn't have anything against him. Why would I dislike him? He gave me a shot at the world title. And so, you know, these two guys who had their own problems became friends. You know, Nikki had his own problem with drugs, but him and Aaron connected. And that's the way it is. Most of these guys know each other uh, from, from the amateurs. So uh, I'm just trying to calculate in my own mind with uh, Arguello, who was born uh, when he was born and how old he was uh, when he passed away. But um, you're going to have to give me a second here to get the requisite information on that. So, uh, yeah, he was born in 52. So 48, he was 56 uh, or 57 in, when he died. And, you know, that's too young. I'm 61. 57 is not a whole life. Alexis deserved to see his grandkids and to live a longer life. And the sport of boxing needs people like that. This is one thing Angela Dundee always said to me. People, you know, uh, there's great people like like John Stracy, the former welterweight champ, who's great in boxing and a great businessman, but a real ambassador for the sport. And that's what Alexis Arguello was. He was an ambassador for the sport. What surprised me about Aaron Pryor when I met him and spent time with him at the Boxing Hall of Fame is how soft-spoken he was. He was a genuine person, and he would, you know, he would say, "How's your?" I would say, I "Have a daughter." How's your daughter doing? Somebody would say, "We gotta go somewhere," and I go, "Okay, I gotta go." And he would put his hand on my hand. No, you can take the time. How's your daughter? Fine. Is she doing well? Yeah, in school. Great. Make sure she stays in school and treat her well. That's your biggest job. That's your only job, you know. And it should be your only job. So, you know, for to have a world champion. To talk to him on that one-on-one -on -one basis, someone that I looked up to and really admired, like Aaron Pryor, was just a thrill of a lifetime. And fight fans, I always say this, like the fact that the two became friends afterwards. They were friends before. And Aaron Pryor said, I knew I was never going to be able to intimidate Alexis. And they never said a bad word about each other during the press conference, press conferences they had for their fights. Uh, they became good friends after Arguello was the kind of guy when he saw Aaron Pryor after he grabbed his face and he'd kiss him and hug him and tell him how much he loved him. And how can you not love a guy like that, you know? And he did the same thing with Escalera. It's the same with Duran found out that his former adversary, Esteban Dezus, was dying of HIV. He went down to see him and he hugged him and he kissed him. And they said to him, you can't do that. He's got HIV. And, and Duran said, oh, shut, shut up with that BS. You can't get it this way just by hugging a friend. So there's a lot of real, there's a real connection between the fighters because it's entertainment, but they're both trying to make money for their families. So I'm, I know I'm getting off the topic. This was a, a great fight. Arguello was leading at the time that he was knocked out in the 14th, according to some of the scorecards. Uh, he may have walked away with the victory, which would have been, I think, incorrect because great to see you too, Scrapbook Boxing. I was wondering if you saw this fight. Um, it would have been great, you know, for him to win. But when I've watched the fight several times, I mean, I scored it for, for Pryor. I gave rounds to Arguello, but Pryor was the effective aggressor throughout most of the fight. So I would have to say that in spite of the knockout, um, you were in the second row of that fight. Wow. That's incredible. And I was just talking before about the punch, Scrapbook, about the punch that he landed in the 13th round. 
when he bounced Pryor's head back and Pryor looked up at the lights. And I was sitting with a friend of mine who worked here in Toronto at, at TSN, which was the sports network, like ESPN in the United States. And he looked at me and he said, I'm scared because that punch would have dropped the charging rhino and it didn't even budge Pryor. His head just came back down and smiled and he kept on fighting. So that was an all-time great fight. And as I said, scrapbook, um, the Arguello was already past his prime, you know, but because he lost all his money to the Sandinistas, you had to keep fighting these people. And same in the second fight, he landed a couple of really tremendous shots on Pryor. And in the first fight, there was an uppercut. He landed a couple of rounds before, and I thought he's decapitated him. I thought Pryor's finished, but he took it. Pryor was hurt several times, but because these are professional fighters, elite level professional fighters are the best in the world at what they do in their weight class. They can get hit. They don't show you that they're hurt, and they can grab on, and, and they can hang on until the cobwebs clear. It was just a case in the end of the younger Pryor wanting to achieve his legacy because he thought if it goes to a decision, even if I win, they won't give it to me because they always screw me. So I have to stop them. And that's the one thing we have to remember that his corner told him, whether you include this controversy of the water bottles or not, whether he took performance enhancing stimulants or not, he, he was not going to be denied. He wanted to make his legacy. And to make his legacy, he needed one of the greatest fighters that ever lived, Alexis Arguello, to fight him. Because a lot of other great fighters wouldn't fight Aaron Pryor. They wanted no piece of him. And because Pryor was so magnificent, yes, I can imagine the sound that made um, when uh, when he hit him. And Scrapbook is saying his first life fight was Arguello versus Oliveira's 1974, which, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Arguello won that fight with uh, uh, a left hook that dropped Oliveris, one of my favorite fighters. And uh, Oliveris was a great fighter. All these guys are, are all-time great fights. You know, uh, they had, uh, at the Hall of Fame one year, they had Mexican greats. Oliveris, Carlos Cerati, and there were three others. And I can't remember them at the moment, but they were all there at the Rusty Nail on the Hall of Fame. And I did quick calculations. I looked at my phone. I, I went to Google. And I said, between these five guys, they have over 500 knockouts to the credit. And not of bums. Of, you're looking at their list of knockouts. It's all top 10, top five rated fighters. Just generations of fighters these guys steamrolled. So I want to thank Scrapbook and I want to thank Dusty too for uh, for watching this. Um, yeah, it was an incredible fight. I can't believe Scrapbook, you were at this fight. I watched it close circuit. I watched both the fights. And I remember watching Arguello when he first fought Ernesto Marcel and he didn't win that fight. And I was disappointed because I liked this kid. And then watching the Oliveras fight and that disappointed me because I loved Oliveras. He's still one of my favorite people and fighters of all time. Arguello is widely considered not only one of the greatest lightweight fighters ever, but also one of the kindest, most gentle, most considerate, most well-loved athletes ever to have lived. Pryor had this mean, nasty image of a badass, but when you met him in person, he was really a big teddy bear. And he was always happy to talk, always happy to listen. And he was just a great guy. These are two phenomenal fighters. If you get a chance, please, if you get a chance, 
go to YouTube. There's a lot of great videos of them, and you can watch their fight, watch both their fights. Uh, the second one I don't think is as good, but I was sitting there watching it at close circuit thinking, come on, Alexis, get them. And Pryor could take a good shot as well as anyone. Unfortunately, after this fight, Pryor's after the second fight, Pryor's life went into tubes because of his cocaine addiction. He managed to beat it and fight a couple more times, but because he lost years to his career because of his cocaine addiction, his record was only 39-1. and one. It's too bad that he wasn't given a chance to move up and fight in the welterweight division because Aaron Pryor didn't scare worth a damn. He would have fought a welterweight. He, he would have got super welter or middle. He wasn't physically a big man, but... As Angela Dundee would say, it's not the size of the fight, size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of, of the fight in the dog. And no one had more fight in him than the Hall of Famer Aaron Pryor. That's the story of the first Aaron Pryor, uh, Alexis Sarguello fight. And um, scrapbook, we'll talk another time. You said you met them all. These are wonderful people. I have had more great conversations with prize fighters and fight fans than I have with anyone else. Simple as that. Uh, thank you for watching. I'm Lou Eisen. This has been Ring Talk, and we'll see you next week at a regular time on Sunday. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your week.